thanks for your kind words. It's great to, to be here and share some of the work that, that, that I've been doing for the last 20 years in film. We, our work really is focused on trying to understand and explore the relationship that we as humans have with wilderness, with, with nature, why we feel special, somehow different when we're in, in those wild places. Um, my brother and I, Craig, grew up um, literally meters from the high watermark on the Atlantic Ocean. Um, I remember our, our bedroom window, we used to have to put these sort of plywood boards across to stop the Atlantic storms breaking in. And our grandparents had the opportunity of often traveling up into East Africa and across Zimbabwe and Botswana. And they came back with these incredible stories that in some ways scared us and other ways thrilled us. We heard of these, they were charged by elephants and these hippos and these giant crocodiles slipping into the river. And I, we were lucky enough many years later to, to travel over the Hottentots of Holland Mountains into those wild areas um, when we spent many months living and working and, and hunting with the San Bushmen. Um, it was obviously a fairly life-changing event. Um, their whole life is expressed by the interdependence with nature. Um, and somehow it seemed to juxtapose with, with our life, with modernity where we live. And I think they've consciously downscaled the technology to connect to nature, while we seem to have purposefully separated ourselves through concrete, steel and asphalt. We don't touch the earth, really. Um, and I think we, we pay a price for that. I think it's common, common knowledge, really, that there's a growing, what they call, an urban neurosis that spreads across the world. Um, that seems to be because of that disconnection that we have. They, it seemed like we were in this chosen land when we spent the time with them. It was a sort of iconic African savanna landscape. And, you know, I think we are almost hardwired to understand our own cosmology, to understand our connection to a community and connection to, to nature. It seems to be hardwired into, into us as a species. And one of our recent film projects, we try to explore where, where that comes from. Where is the source? What is the, of all the different environments on the planet, which was the one that nurtured, which was the chosen land that actually nurtured us as a species? And we traveled right from the Rift Valley, the edge of the Rift Valley in Ethiopia, right down to the, to the edge of the, the coastal caves in the Southern Cape. And there was a sort of a new story that was revealed to the people and places we went to. Our species has basically been around for about 200,000 years. And at that time, 200,000 years ago, there was a glacial climate shift that happened. And there was this pan-African population of, of us, of, of modern humans. And suddenly Africa became very inhospitable. The Sahara Desert expanded to twice its current size. The Namib and the Kalahari in the south expanded. And this splintered the modern population of humans into small pockets. There was one in Central, Central um, Africa, one in East Africa, and a special group in Southern Africa. And when the climate changed again, the unbiased genetic science tells us that only one of these population groups survived to become you and I. And we believe, and many people believe, that it's the unique group in the South 
southern coast, that lived in the southern coast of Africa, that are, were those people. The unique combination of seafood protein, carbohydrate bulbs, and, and very importantly, the fat from, ungu from large ungulates is, is unique. And Mossel Bay, ironically, not far from where we are here sitting, is, has the evidence of the oldest family group of modern humans anywhere in the world. And so, in, certainly in my mind's eye, when I visualize that original garden, that original landscape that affected us, I don't now see that sort of dusty horizon with a flat-topped thorn tree and a, maybe a, a sort of a silhouette of an animal. I actually see a rocky coast with a wave sort of crashing through a kelp forest, spilling up onto a white beach, because that's really the environment that allowed us to be here. And I think as, as scientists, you've heard this morning already, and as, as filmmakers, the ocean is this incredible opportunity to explore and to connect to wilderness. Um, currently, I, I, you, you, many of you would know, I think James Cameron's sort of hours away from attempting to dive to the deepest part of the ocean, 11 kilometers down. Two people have been there before him. Twelve people have walked on the moon, but nobody literally, except for those two people, they wouldn't be able to see anything. He'll be the first person to be able to look out on an ocean floor 11 kilometers deep. So I think the ocean's out there. There's incredible opportunities. We as filmmakers many years ago um, attempted to unravel some of the mysteries. We worked with, with sharks, large sharks, putting them into this, this, this form of tonic immobility. It's a sort of a, it was an attempt to develop and understand how we can develop shark repellent systems to engage predators in a, in a different way other than killing them. Perhaps we can just play that, that short clip um, and it will give you some understanding of some of, the, some of the things we've been doing. It was on Discovery Planet a couple of years ago. To discover whether the sharks prefer tonic to food, Mike puts a shark to the test. He induces a trance, then moves away. Will the shark follow him for more touching, or will it choose the nearby food container? the shark's trust to the ultimate test.
and shark have finally connected. One of the best dives I've, what, uh, I've um, had in my life. Uh, there's no words on this planet that... What we, what we as, as, as filmmakers learned perhaps the most about the project that you've just seen a short clip from was a successful outcome is so much geared towards engagement. It's, you have these preconceived ideas that are almost walls that stop one. But it's the engagement, it's how you engage that really determines the outcome. And for the last three, four years, we've been traveling up into central Botswana and trying to engage large Nile crocodiles. For many years, it was a very sort of the, the science and, and people, a lot of people who engage with crocodiles, it was a no-no to engage them in their own environment. And for the last, as I said, three years, we've been trying to get down and dive and explore these cave systems where the, where the crocs basically drag their prey and inhabit. And through this, this journey, we've discovered some incredible people around the world who are, are engaging, who don't have those preconceived ideas um, that stop, stop them in interacting with, with animals. Um, and there's another short clip I want to share with you that basically is from a, from a shaman that we met in Central America. For 20 years, he's had this relationship that with a crocodile, a large crocodile. And it defies what science tells us is possible between a relationship between a mammal and a reptile. Um, his name's Cheeto, and the, his, his crocodile is called Pocho. It's a five-meter um, American crocodile. If you just have a short clip from that, it'll be great. I give myself totally to Pocho. The feeling I have is like when I go to sleep. I feel very calm. When the night comes, I feel at peace in the natural world with Pocho. Full moon is the height of our coming together. It's when crocodiles are most alert because all the other animals are very active is the hunting time. His worst time is when it thunders. He gets out of the water. I think he knows the lightning is dangerous. games we taught each other started at night. The death roll other crocs used to rip chunks of meat from prey became one of our first games. It was then I realized he could learn and remember. Pocho is so clever. This time at night, for me, it's like being with God.
I um, this is this is going to be released in the next uh, few weeks. So I think you're the first audience to have a, um, a, a peek at that. But what you know, obviously in the work that I do, it takes me to a lot of different places around the world. And and one of the things that has I've sort of picked up a habit of is collecting something. It it, it might be a sort of heart-shaped pod from Central America or. A, a piece of coral or a shell, and I take that back home and sh share that with my family. It's a sort of analogy, a way of of of, of, ex of explaining and expressing the experience that I had. And this weird habit became so much more relevant after a recent journey to Pinnacle Point, the cave in Mossel Bay, where I spoke to Dr. Curtis Mayen, and he f basically found a, a helmet shell, very almost identical to this one that you'd find on the beach. The only difference is his one is 170, 180,000 years old. And what is unique about it was that it had beachwear on the shell. And they found it in this cave up in the hill overlooking the ocean. And no, the, the, clearly the person that had collected that hadn't collected for the calorie benefit. There was, no, there, was no, there was no meat inside when they picked up the shell. And that person perhaps gave it to somebody as a symbol of love some, some perhaps as a symbol of an, or an expression of an event that he'd had or they'd had. And I think it leaves a sort of legacy and lesson for all of us that those people who were able to connect to nature, they were able to work and understand the tides, to understand how nature works, those people used that to become us. They were that, that's perhaps one of the main reasons they were successful. The other reason was that they were able to work together. The concept, the, 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 the principles of Ubuntu were actually born in those caves 170 to 180,000 years ago and now live with all of us. And ironically, we face today the same challenges almost that those first people faced. And if we can learn from them and use what they used to succeed, I think then we have the incredible potential of moving forward. Thanks very much for your time.